This is The Reality. Hello to you. Welcome to The Reality. So good to be with you once again, sharing the story of life touched and changed by the reality of Jesus Christ. I'm Dudley Anderson. We're going to be together for the next half hour or so. If you have any questions or queries, or perhaps you'd like some prayer as you listen to the program today, then I encourage you to drop me an email. It's dudley at surereality.net. Now, don't worry if you missed that. I'll give that email address again a little later on in the show. Today we're going to be meeting Nigel Swaby, founder of First Fruits Music Awards. Nigel gave his life to Jesus Christ, yet he had no real experience of a change in his life until much later. Still heavily focused on making money with a weakness for alcohol, he moved to Malta and then on to Perth in Australia with his wife. Nigel became disillusioned and depressed in Australia and self-medicated with alcohol. Also a musician, Nigel, sometime later, received a clear message in a dream to co-labor with his wife, Selina, to produce Christian songs and to use the income to advance the kingdom of God, sowing into gospel-led missions. Returning home from Australia via Thailand, Nigel was financially broke and his mental health was suffering. At this time, God broke through into Nigel's life two, three, four months, whatever it was, the, the, the fear started creeping in and the doubt started creeping if we made the right decision. All of these things came to the forefront of my mind. I ended up hitting the bottle really hard, couldn't find a way out of it, and I was just so self-absorbed, so self-focused. And I think the thing is, that it, was the, it was the flesh that was coming through. My faith wasn't strong enough to weather the storm. And then I had a dream. I begin our conversation with Nigel Swaby today to ask him about how he came to know the reality of Jesus Christ. Well, it's strange. I wasn't looking for him. In actual fact, I was very successful in the commercial world some, well, many years back, and I had a rather dim view of Christians. It was a typical happy, clappy, kumbaya, sort of white sandals, white socks and sandals. And, and I always thought that they were weak people and needed a crutch to lean on. I mean, I had a, never an issue with God. It wasn't I was an agnostic or anything like that. I just felt through my own journey at that time, I didn't need God. I was doing everything myself. Everything was successful. I was earning buckets of money. Mm-hmm. And so why did I need, why do I need God? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, I quite understand that a lot of people have that sort of um, mindset, don't they? Uh, you know, and just quickly, as as you mentioned the word crutch, it just comes to mind, you know, um, yes, my faith is my crutch. Just as if I'd had a broken leg, I would fall over without a crutch. So sin is the broken leg, and I fall over without uh, that crutch of my faith in Jesus Christ. So, uh, Nigel, how did you come then to acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior? Well, this is interesting because we had a nursery school. And at the time, my young son went to an after-school club at uh, the sort of primary school he attended. And I picked him up um, regularly and occasionally listened to the sort of uh, teaching that was going on. A lot of his biblical scriptural references. And it did bring a smile to my face as everybody seemed to be jolly and happy. I thought, what's all this about? And then one day, the uh, the manager uh, invited me to their home and to, to meet with uh, 
her husband, uh, who was a lay preacher, and they spoke to me about Christ. And they said, well, you know what you need to do, give your, your, <coughs> your life to Christ. And I had no idea what that meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, me not being a Christian, and they sort of talking Christianese at me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, basically, they said, just have a chat with, with God. And I did. And the, the, <laughs> there was a weight that seemed to disappear off my back. And it was such an overwhelming experience. I burst into tears and, and sort of cried <laughs> like a baby all afternoon. I had no idea what was happening. I didn't even realize I had a weight on my back, mm-hmm. but I just had a conversation. I didn't say the sinner's prayer or anything like this. You know, I wasn't aware of the sinner's prayer, just had a chat. Um, and it, it had such tranquil peace. But I have to say, and I will confess, the next day, it, it did appear on the surface that nothing had happened. Mm. Now, obviously, the seed had been planted. But it was to be it was to be nurtured, watered, and then to grow later on. But for that period of time onwards, for quite a while, I, I was really in the world. So still focusing on money and doing all the wrong things that we shouldn't we shouldn't be doing as Christians. Um, and, and and that was it really. So I suppose what became the trigger point to change was when we sold our school, our nursery school, in two thousand and eight. Um, I had a sort of uh, conviction that uh, that came on. It came into my heart, and it, uh, I'm not going to say that God told me this because I I don't want to blaspheme His name. I'm very careful about what God tells me or doesn't tell me. Mm. I either feel led or convicted. That's the way I tend to to say things. Mm. So what was very much on my uh, that came to me was, well, you know, you you you've sold your operation now. Um, you, you you weren't running it for the right reasons. And albeit I was trying to operate a professional um, service to my customers, it was all about bums on seats and the money. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. It was money focused. And even though I did a good job in terms of customer service and best service for the kids that I could do, the focus was on the money, not a servant heart towards, not a genuine servant heart. There was an ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. We then moved to Malta. Uh, we sold the business. We thought, okay, we'll have some time away. And uh, my one wife started to spend a long time. She came to faith in a very similar way through the people that uh, um, uh, the manager of the of the, the uh, art uh, school facility for for my son. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she also came on a separate occasion and gave her life to the Lord then, and her life radically changed right away. But mine sort of bumped along. Anyway, <laughs> back to Walter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would spend all day long in prayer. Uh, um, down the hillside on the beach because we'd had time we'd sort of not retired clearly didn't have that sort of uh, capital but we we had a a good break away from the hustle and bustle of life Mm. and i was getting jealous of jesus because (laughs) her heart was becoming so entwined with his because she would spend six seven eight hours a day alone contemplating the word praying worshiping and she was a beacon of light she was transformed as a person i mean when my wife used to come back from her from a a, a daily expeditions i would call it Mm. she had such a heart of love such a servant heart but it wasn't the selena that i knew it wasn't my wife and it was somehow different and i felt that her love for god was more than for me in actual fact scripture tells us that he needs to be first mm-hmm. but from my perspective i was losing my wife to this thing you know this being this whatever it is now i'm going to be a professing christian but as i said my walk was bouncing along 
And then I had some convictions to, we had a flat top in, in, in Malta, in the Mediterranean, a lot of the houses have flat roofs. Mm-hmm. And so I would go up there occasionally and I'd read the Bible and spend some time with, with the Lord. Um, and then I, I had, again, some conversations with God and uh, certain things came into my mind. And the things that I felt were from God um, were things I didn't want to do. And one of the things that was placed in my heart was, well, all those people you sort of turned over or upset or, you know, (laughs) treated badly in the past, uh, you need to get in touch with them and ask for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I didn't fancy doing this. Also with a bank manager up the road, I was a really bit shirty with him. Very, very prideful individual I was. And I'm sort of like stamping my fist on the table and telling him, look, I'm, you know, premier customer. You need to run after me, sort of (laughs) arrogant way of thinking. And he said, you need to go up to the bank manager and apologize and ask for forgiveness. And so that's what I did. I sent emails to everybody I'd worked with where I had their contact details and still was able to access them and also went to the bank manager up the top of the road to to confess my sin effectively mm-hmm. and to ask for forgiveness. And I explained to this chap in the bank what it was about. Now, Malta is very Catholic. At the time, it's 94% Catholic. So, you know, we were in, in some ways on the same wavelength when I say, you know, I was felt convicted to come to talk to you. Mm-hmm. He understood that. He was very gracious. And that was the end of it. But then I had another revelation that came to me a long time ago. And uh, <laughs> you're not going to believe this, but it was a, a conviction to contact uh, my first girlfriend's friend's boyfriend, <laughs> if you can get your head around that, right? <laughs> okay. And this person is a rabbi. Oh. And basically, you can't, I can't make this up. I was instructed, I felt led to write to this person. And I said, well, I, God, I've met this person a couple of times, whoa, 30 years ago, no idea where he is, haven't got the email address, I'm, you know, making all the all the excuses. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'll tell you what, if you can provide me with the email address or provide me a way to find his contact details, I will promise you I'll honour the fact that I'll need to do this. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. So I did, funny enough, it came into my mind instantly why would it come into my mind instantly a reformed synagogue in southgate north london right <laughs> okay. so from that i yeah. could find the email address and yes his email address is readily available wow. cliff cohen rabbi wow. cliff cohen funny yeah? so i write to rabbi cliff cohen i said you may not know who i am and i said i'm not a fruitcake i'm not a nut job i don't want anything and i said i'm through a prayer uh, i've been asked to tell you that yeshua is the messiah Wow. Wow. <laughs> and, and that was the conversation Goodness. and and uh you know I, I, I expanded in the note a little bit further about the you know my journey and all the rest of it but but that was it and then a few weeks went by nothing happened a month went by nothing happened and i felt convicted it was gnawing at me so i sent a note back to the via the email and and said look just confirm i need a piece that that you know that you've received it regardless of what you do with it that's up to you and then I got a reply, one word, received. Uh-huh. I have no idea what that meant. Uh-huh. And that was it. So <laughs> wow. this is the journey that that's starting to unravel and unfold and my relationship with Christ becoming stronger because I can see how the, the, the miraculous is working through someone who's feeble, weak, not faithful, not strong in his journey, 
and how he could use broken vessels like me for his glory to advance mm. his kingdom mm. and to also at the same time for me to recognize how sinful I've been and for him to give me the grace to repent to others. Mm-hmm. And I just wow. thought that was amazing. That is incredible. That uh, takes a lot of courage to do that, you know. And uh, as you rightly said, you're a proud man. So um, uh, that's very contrary to the human nature to do what you've just done, wouldn't you but say? I, I, you know, you know. Sometimes, you, uh, Dudley, you, you you get a gut feel, and you think I need to do this or need to do that. But then I think when when God speaks to you, it's a conviction. It becomes beyond a gut feel. It's you need to do this. Mm-hmm. And I think that was it because it was a it felt different. I know we shouldn't be living living our faith through feelings or sight, but it felt different. Mm-hmm. I felt convicted to do this. And I had I suppose because of the conviction, I had the boldness at the same time to do it. And I had the peace with it. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. So moving forward, we're in Malta and, and because my wife is so much in love with God and she and I come across i stumble across a red folder in the courtyard and i picked this red folder up and i started to flick through the pages and it was beautiful poetry beautiful song and i said to my wife what's all this about she said that's nothing to do with you this is this is my conversations with god mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what she was writing with a, in a contemplative prayer when she was on the beach and so forth wow. and i read this stuff and i'm thinking this is exceptionally good and I said, you really need to do something with this. And she said, no, nope, none of your business sort of thing. And then <laughs> the pastor came around. We used to have Bible lessons. Again, I was a very young Christian. And the, uh, a Pentecostal pastor popped around once a week to, to, to give me some insight to Scripture. And um, so that was a real added value thing that I received from, from them. And then I, 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 sneaked, I sneaked the red folder to him and his wife and they looked through it and they said you need to do something with this Selena this is glorifying God wow amazing and she said no not doing anything yeah private stuff and that was it so we moved to we moved from there to Perth Australia long term we had a break but long term there was no real future um, in staying in in Malta so we moved to Perth on a business visa and the view was that we'd buy another school we had the experience we had the money we had the resources uh, we just scraped in, though, in actual fact. And, and uh, again, God showed me humility because I was the person that had all the business experience and all the credentials, but they didn't expect me, ex- accept me as the lead visa holder mm-hmm. because of my age. But my wife had hardly any credentials from in that respect with regards to the visa in terms of what they were looking for, but the visa was accepted to her, so she became the... Oh the lead visa holder, if you like, and without her, we wouldn't have moved to Perth. And again, it was another reminder of saying, you know, you need to get out this pride issue. Mm-hmm. And so we, we ended up um, on a business visa in Perth, and I ended up joining the Institute of Directors in Perth, in Australia, which wore the equivalent, I think it's called the Australian Institute of Directors, really to get to know people, to network, to find business opportunities, and uh, really, after a few months, I started to feel very insecure because we'd, we'd burnt a lot of cash living in Malta. It was a big holiday, and we were there for two and a half years, if you like. Mm-hmm. And now we're in Australia. We need to start to make it happen. You're listening to The Reality, produced by Sure Reality. Listen again at surereality.net. This is a listener-supported radio ministry 
and we depend on you, the listener, to help us produce these programs, touching lives around the world. To become a vision partner of Sure Reality, go to surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. That is, become a vision partner at surereality.net. If you've just joined us, a hearty hello. My name's Dudley Anderson. You are listening to The Reality, a half-hour talk show talking about the reality of real life that we find in a real relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, if you've been listening up and you have some questions or perhaps you just require some prayer in your life, you'd like to make contact, I would love to hear from you. Write me an email, if you will, dudley at surereality.net. Email me, dudley at surereality.net. Just to remind you that the reality is also podcast at the website surereality.net. Today, we're speaking to Nigel Swaby, founder of First Fruits Music Awards. Nigel has shared how he had an encounter with Jesus Christ at an early age, and yet he didn't solidify his walk with God. The Holy Spirit, however, continued to speak into his life, yet he ignored the voice of God. His wife gave her heart to Jesus. Nigel became jealous of her relationship with Jesus. They then moved from Britain to Malta to pursue business interests. Here, Nigel discovered a poem written by his wife just lying in the courtyard, describing her walk with Jesus. He said it was a beautiful poem and he wanted to publish it, yet she said no. Shortly after this, they moved to Perth, Australia, where things took a bit of a downward stride. Nigel threw himself into making money. Stress and insecurity overtook him. Uncertain of his future, he took to the bottle. Let's find out more as we speak with Nigel Swaby today on The Reality. Two, three, four months, whatever it was, the, the, the fear started creeping in and the doubt started creeping in. We made the right decision. All of these things came to the forefront of my mind. I met, I, I ended up hitting the bottle really hard oh. because I couldn't find a way out of it, and I was just so self-absorbed, so self-focused. Um, Sorry, and then you, I, excuse me for interrupting you, Nigel. You, this is obviously after you'd given your life to Jesus, uh, and, and and so it was a, as a downhill slope at the stage. Yes. Well, no. I think the thing is, it, it was the fact that my, my walk had been bumping along for a while. It had never been on fire for God like my wife. I got it. And, and it was you know, I had good periods of time and I had bad periods of time and 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 then even I had the revelation it was just, it, when I was praying on on the roof in Malta to to write to those people to ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So and I think the thing is that it was the, it was the flesh that was coming through. My faith wasn't strong enough to weather the storm. Storms were coming. Jesus promises hard times, and the storms were coming. Money was running out. I was becoming desperate. Did we have enough money to, to put down for, for a business and so forth? And then I had a dream. I had a, I had, and this dream is very loud and clear. It's not about you. It's about others. Mm-hmm. I, I guess what I did? Mm-hmm. I ignored the dream. A <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. few months later, still panicking, still worrying what's going on. Uh, again, I had another dream. And it's and it's about well, what you need to do is that music that, that or that or effectively the lyrics that Selena's uh, written. Well, I didn't know the lyrics. I said they look you know poetry and song, but mm. I didn't see them that way. Uh, you need to produce music to glorify God, but basically, uh, whatever revenue you generate, you're going to give it all away. 
You're going to work with the, you know, basically uh, kingdom-based projects, and you're going to sum into the kingdom. And so you're going to use your skill set because my background, I am a musician by background, but I'm also a business person, and 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 Selena has been gifted with lyrical content as well. So that's how we started in the music business. I okay. knew nothing about music productions or mixing or mastering or thing like that. Albeit I was a musician, mm. or I'm a musician. So, 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 uh, just to get back to the story, you said you hit the bottle at this stage. You know, you were uh, perhaps self-medication. Uh, yeah. you were looking for alternatives uh, to help you through. How did that change? How did that change? I think, I think, I, when when the purpose became clear and the direction for my life, which when. I, this is coming back to, as I said, about the um, the, the conviction to um, take on board um, Selena's, uh, if you like, lyrical content, what she'd written, and then to, to produce music from that, and then to basically the, the proceeds away. Mm. During that sort of revelation of that second dream, um, <clears throat> I woke Selena up because it was about three o'clock in the morning, and both of us were in tears because it was such um, a revelation. And it was like a brain dump. I was trying to write this stuff down as faster than I physically could write down. <laughs> and I spoke to the pastor. And I went on Sunday and I said, look, this is, this is what's happened. Um, we've got this conviction. Um, what do you think? Now, obviously, as time was creeping on, the, the natural flesh was g- getting in the way in terms of, is this of God? Is this something you've made up? Is it just an emotional? But, you know, what is it? Are you trying to find a way out because you're struggling with your life at the moment? All of these things started to creep into my mind. Mm. And the pastor at the time, he, he said, you know what, I'm going to go away and pray on this. And he prayed on it. And he said, you know what, I'm going to ask you to present your ideas and your views and, and expand on the dream to the elders of the church. And we did that unanimously after the conversation we had with the elders. They came away thinking this is of God. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they basically said, you know, we don't make these assertions or, uh, if you like, uh, <laughs> underpin sort of uh, um, mission opportunities or ministry opportunities uh, because there are so many wonderful and weird things that creep, come and go, but we are convicted this is of God to the extent that when we left Australia, because our visa had run out, that's another story, mm. and we returned to the UK, they wrote us a letter of introduction, like like they did in the biblical times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got letters of re- uh, introduction from a whole plethora of churches across Western Australia about the mission that we were on. And then the irony is that once we'd finished all our music, and again, this is the reason why we had to go back to the UK, um, was the fact that we, we weren't, we were no longer looking for a nursery to purchase. We'd gone down the road of producing music, which was completely outside the remit of our visa. Mm-hmm. And so we were working with local people, uh, a jazz musician, absolutely talented Christian jazz musician that could conjure up all sorts of arrangements in his head. It's like a Mozart, a modern Mozart, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and from there, it became a worldwide phenomena okay. because people realised that what we were doing is actually kingdom work. And we ended up working with a chap called Joe de Blasi. He's probably one of the most famous people that nobody's ever heard of. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. Joe de Blasi is one of these guys behind the scenes. He's been a session musician. Um, and again, he's one of these unsung heroes. He's a Christian guy, and you know he was a, an introduction from someone else. 
and we worked with a with a chap called John Vestman, who was a mastering engineer, and he was he used to work for uh, uh, on projects for Sting and, and the Monkeys in the old days. Do you remember that group? <laughs> wow, but it amazing. became yeah. a worldwide phenomenon. And and um, wow. Robbie Mark, Stage of Elijah. You heard of that song? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, one of his touring band members joined us as well in in the quest to do this this project. Okay, fantastic! It's amazing. So you got back to the UK. You were in 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 the thick of the whole music world. Uh, cut to the chase, uh, uh, Nigel. Uh, we've got about three minutes left. Tell us what you're doing now. Yeah, just to to, to summarise, none of that music was ever released. <laughs> All right. So, but what had happened was that um, um, basic. Basically, that uh, I'd, I'd become, uh, if you like, uh, a judge for the ICV, International Christian Visual Media, um, outside uh, in the US. And I was responsible for uh, worship song evaluations and reviews. And there was all sorts of things coming through. And I came to the conclusion, uh, in a nutshell, that uh, uh, the, 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 <laughs> the Christian music industry was on decline, uh, in decline, and the stuff that was being produced wasn't biblical. Uh, and a very long story short, we, we established First Roots Music Awards um, July last year with a remit to um, promote emerging uh, independent artists that have a heart for God illustrated through their, their lyrics, the lyrical content of their songs. Well, the purpose of uh, Christian music is very simple. It's to glorify God, number one. Mm. Number two, it's to edify the listener. And number three, it's to minister the word of God. And so that's our mission through our awards. So that's uh, First Roots Music Awards. Um, so... There we, there we are. And so, just to just to to, to clarify, First Fruits Music Awards is uh, it's an open um, forum that any musician could uh, write in and and present their music and their and and their ministry to you. Is this right? Yeah, and it, but it's more than that. It's more than a contest. It's actually included discipleship, evangelism training as well. Okay. We've we've recently partnered with the Great Commission Society, uh, who operate in over 115 countries around the world, um, and working in conjunction with them. Uh, we'll be delivering uh, workshops to enable Christian singer-songwriters to delve deeper into scriptures Good stuff. and with the possibility of going on mission trips as well. So the gospel message becomes part of their fibre. And so as a result of that, that should transfer to the songs that they write. And so it's a really, it's, it's just amazing in terms of the, the people who are on board now and, and the Great Commission Society's partnership is an, is an amazing opportunity for us for for uh, emerging independent artists it's not open to the big boys who've uh, uh, got chart success or uh, nominated for the Glo uh, the gma dub awards mm. it's, it's not for those it's for those okay. people who don't have a voice Fantastic. it's for the unheard it's for the underdog it's for those people but to sow in their walk of faith and their journey and help them with their music at the same time fantastic. so it's it's not a contest it's it's much bigger than that fantastic bringing ethics and, uh, and integrity back into christian music do you have a website that uh, somebody could uh, access yeah they can check it out at www.firstfruits.co First Fruits, that is uh, the website, firstfruits.co. Nigel, it's been amazing speaking to you. There's so much more we could talk about, but our time is up. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Reality.
What a great story, listening to the life of Nigel Swaby. You know, as I was listening to Nigel, I was really encouraged to get serious with God. You know, some of us, often we give our life to Christ and then we wander off or we just don't, you know, get committed to serving Jesus. It reminds me of what Jesus said to uh, the Apostle John in Revelation, writing to the churches in Asia Minor. He says, write this to the church in Laodicea. This is Revelation chapter 1 from verse 14. These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of all creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were either cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you from my mouth. Well, serious words from the Lord Jesus to you and to me, as we've heard in Nigel's story today, to get serious with God. If you'd like to know more, then please drop me an email, dudley at surereality.net. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. It's only with your prayers and financial support that we can produce these radio programs that impact lives around the world. Please consider partnering with us, become a vision partner at the website surereality.net. From me, Dudley Anderson, to you, as always, keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus.